Hello everyone, this is Paul Nobles from E2Perform and I am here with my trusty cohort, Sarah Kumar. Sarah, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hello everyone. Happy Friday. Yeah, pretty excited to, uh, to have the weekend coming up. Football is in full swing, which is good. You know, I don't really feel like this connection to football the way that I used to. And I've always equated yeah. it. By the way, sorry I've got Jimmy Neutron here for all the people watching on Facebook. Um, <laughs> I thought about wearing a hat and I was like, screw it. It's not that bad. Um, but it's I not that bad. I definitely need it. It's not that bad. It's okay. I definitely need a, need a haircut. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I feel like before, you know, I started working on my fitness you know, I was much more inclined to root for the physical accomplishments of other people. Um, right. And so I think that that's a little bit of uh, of what changed it. Also, like I, I moved away from fantasy football. And mm -hmm. um, it's interesting because they have like these daily, you know, I know this is, oh, shoot. You know what I wanted to do today was... Um, I don't know if you know this, but like, um, if you say to your iPhone, like the beginning of certain songs, it will, uh -huh. sing, it will sing to you. Aww. And, uh, so cute. yeah, so it like, uh, it, it sings, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I don't know how, oh, yeah. I don't know how I would have done it since I'm using my cell phone for the, uh, podcast, but whatever. All right. You don't want me to use mine. No. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. It like sings the whole song. Mm -hmm. Um. So the topic of this podcast is sort of the basis for you to perform. And uh, what we're going to really want run you guys through, you know, uh, I just want to start with we do have free trials open right now. Um, we've, we decided to kind of keep them open just a little bit longer just because we're not going to be signing anyone up for the rest of the year. And so we wanted right. people to have that opportunity. Um, and the cool thing is that this is the first time where we actually have started giving out training templates for free. And we have a lot of people doing yeah. Everything Hurts, including um, Everything Hurts is our training program, um, including Sarah and I. And yep. um, so that is mm -hmm. been... And really, Everything Hurts. Hurt. Everything does hurt. Um, though, aren't you finding that as, you know, like I'm in the third, I'm actually on my fourth week. So I'm not hurt as much as it's more like CNS fatigue. A lot of the time yeah so uh, they're just different days like I feel like my lower body is very like after my squat day after that big like the front squat um deadlift day yeah in phase two I'm in week I have two more weeks left I'm still very sore but I'm also increasing my weights yeah like more like each week so yeah I've tried to do that you know it, it doesn't you know, if you're not familiar with the program, the way that it works is is you could literally change the weight down from week to week. It's based on mm -hmm. muscle fatigue, um, going right. to failure on certain days. So 
Um, I think what happens for a lot of people, you know, like Sarah and I are both doing phase two, the last day in phase two is actually a really short workout, right? Right. And uh, you, could, you could get it done in, in 10 to 15 minutes. And so if you get it done in 10 to 15 minutes and you can walk out of that gym easily, then you did it wrong. You know, yeah, you, you, did you, it wrong. you are literally trying to pump as much blood into your quads right. as possible in that 12 to 15 minutes, you know. And so I think, you know, for myself, you know, this type of training is relatively new. It's sort of fun. It's sort of fun and funny um, to get to know the people in my gym because, oh, yeah. because sure. you know, it's a new gym. You know, yeah. uh, yesterday I had, you know, a couple people helping me on, on spotting. Uh-huh. Um, it was the first day of phase two. And so it was bench press. And so I've been uh -huh. trying to push my bench press. The problem with, so, so I'll just give you guys a little lowdown on, on, on the first day of phase two. I'm trying to push my bench press. What I've run into with that is it's really kind of a day that you need almost an hour and a half. Like most of the workouts you can actually get done in 45 minutes to an hour. But but that's probably a day where you might need a little bit more rest if you're trying to push the weights. And that's exactly what yeah. I'm trying to do, you know. And right. so I, and I think that's what happens on the lower body days too. Any five by five days, yeah, they tend to be the longer, right? Because you, yeah, because you need to allow you know some level of rest so you can lift mm -hmm. those heavy weights, you know, and get to that place where it's a little bit uncomfortable. But um, yesterday I only had like 45 minutes so I, I ended up actually cutting short the workout and didn't do the last piece and part the of or the strict press the it's not strict press it's push press push press yeah push press and then um I don't know what they're called but like the you the flies, the yeah yeah the flies are. that's what it is um and so um so I, I ended up having to leave, but, but that's part of the issue with having the bench press be too heavy, right? Cause you're going to need so much recovery within sets that you might be better off bringing it down 15 to 20 pounds, you know, so you still have enough in the tank for those last sets. So those are things to kind of keep in mind. And I think as we all do it and then we, we kind of do it in repeated sessions, We'll just get better and better as those sessions go. So I'm pretty yeah. excited about that. Um, all right. So let's get into the fat loss piece because I think that that's going to be of interest to a lot of people. So if you're not familiar with Eat to Perform, okay, so we have a lot of people that just signed up for a free trial and um, a lot of them signed up and they put fat loss as their goal. And so, you know, if you were overeating or, or eating um, in a way that was not as uh, enlightened is maybe the nicest way to say that, um, you can see a lot of success in that fat loss phase early, right? But if you're coming from, let's say, eating, 
you know, 800 to 1,000 calories a day, you know, there's a little bit of an adjustment that needs to be made. Now, what's interesting about that scenario is a lot of those people do see a lot of success um, and actually do end up kickstarting a little bit of weight loss, mostly because, you know, the carbohydrates are going to allow for a little bit more cortisol release and their, their muscles to fill up in that process. Once again, I, I've been talking about this for the last number of podcasts, but um, I've been reading a book called The Hour Between Dog and Wolf, and it talks about your body's, it, it, the, book, the book is based on uh, traders um, on Wall Street and the physical, the chemical reactions that happen within your body, you know, at times of great risk, at, at times of great stress. And, you know, I've been really just so impressed at, you know, just how the information is presented. And it really does show the value of, of glucose um, and strategic glucose from carbohydrates, mostly starches, um, as it relates to a strategy of managing that stress. Um, and of course, I left my <laughs> Facebook open when I... Uh, I have my audio all fixed for the podcast. I don't know about you. Yeah. All right. So, so like I said, many people do see a lot of progress right from there. Some people were overeating and then, you know, getting the baseline plan um, and walking through various fat loss cycles. But I wouldn't say that that is the best version of Eat to Perform. One of the things that we do differently than everyone else out there is we move you within cycles, okay? The three cycles that we move you within mm -hmm. are called muscle gain, recomp, uh, or um, fat loss. And right. we typically, the, the good majority of people are in either recomp or fat loss, right? Right. And when you are in recomp, one of the biggest things that happens, and this is really a big differentiator between Eat to Perform and really you know, just about everything else out there, and something that I think when the research starts coming in, people are going to realize that you cannot get out of dieting behavior slowly. The slower right. you do it, the worse it is. And then right. what you'll often hear people say is, well, yeah, but I feel bloated and a little bit uncomfortable. That's right. That's right. If you've been dieting for the last 20 to 25 years um, and you don't know what full feels like, right, sometimes it feels right. a little bloated. Totally. And to get to that place where you are building up enough calories, you know, what really needs to happen is kind of embrace that initial discomfort. Now, there's a lot of things that you can do about bloating, right? I mean, one, you know, what we often see, you know, Sarah and I, you know, there's, there's a group of, you know, five to six senior coaches, and then we have a bunch of other coaches. But, you know, I, I jokingly posted about people having a salt lick, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Most issues related to bloating, um, a lot of people, especially, 
So for instance, let's say that you were eating relatively low carb before you came to eat reform, right? You can low carb and have uber high levels of sodium because let, let's oh, yeah. be honest, like, you know, eating steak and broccoli without a shit ton of sodium, you know what I mean? Is horrible. Nobody likes that, you know? And so, so that's something that, that is just naturally going to happen. As you start to add carbohydrates, one of the things that happens within your small intestine is the sodium and potassium, they combine to create an electrical bond within your small intestine that allows your body to um, absorb those nutrients, right? So let's say that your sodium, which maybe should normally be around 2,000 to 2,500, is actually around 4,000 to 5,000, and you start adding, adding in carbohydrates, and then those carbohydrates start loading into your muscle really quickly, but start you know, holding on to water a little bit, that's what causes you to be bloated. And so, you know, we really coach you to get to a point where you have an understanding of fiber, what sodium is doing to your body. And, and trust me, I'm not like anti-sodium. Um, if you're working right. out and you sweat, you should have sodium, right? So, um, right. so keep that in mind. But um, the, the single biggest thing because I, I know a lot of people probably signed on based on the the um, information on the header and the single biggest thing that determines your success in a fat loss cycle is the calories that you're eating before that fat loss cycle so let me say that another right. way the reason you've been failing at dieting for the last 30 years is because you have not um, eaten an adequate amount for what you do or actually overeaten. So what happens for a lot of people is they go through the summer, they've been eating a little bit more freely than they used to. So what happens every September, they go on a little bit of a dieting cycle. And I mean, if you've been around Facebook at all, these last couple of weeks, everybody's hitting you, you know, including us, right? I mean, we're, we're making a big push after the summer because we know that that's a big time that people panic. And then the other time that people panic is after the holidays, right? Right. Why, do people have success with dieting after summer and after the holidays? Because they were overeating, you know, or they're over drinking right. or, or, you it know, was party time. <laughs> it was party time. And so yeah. the problem that you run into though, is let's say that you, you know, you were 25 and, uh, you know, you were mostly fit and you kind of go to the gym and you do those things and, you know, when you were 25 and, you know, things got away from you, scale went up six, seven pounds, you know, after the new year, you tightened things up, you started eating more whole foods and, you know, maybe even reduced your calories a little bit and you saw some success. The problem is, is at 55, that plan does not work anymore. <laughs> Right? It does not. Because what happened at 25 is you're like, man, that whole eating like an idiot thing 
that really did not work out, you know? So naturally, behaviorally, you're going to make some changes that, you know, seem positive in the moment and might be positive, right? Like if you're eating like a moron, you know, I mean, there's, look, let me just tell you one thing. If you're eating like a moron and you have no understanding of how much you're eating, you can do almost anything right and it will help. Okay. Can you title the podcast if you're eating like a moron? <laughs> if you're eating like a moron. Um, Fat but, loss if you've been eating like a moron. Yeah. But, you know, I actually did, you know, one of the things that I um, wanted to make a post about was who is setting themselves up better for success. Some, right. Somebody that's just eating chicken and kale or somebody that is... Who goes to Taco Bell? <laughs> is eating like a moron, right? The eating like a moron person is actually setting themselves up better because they're at a higher calorie point. And I think that a lot of folks, you know, don't... Well, I don't think it. I know for a fact that the good right, majority of you guys out there have no idea how much you're supposed to be eating. So you look at that one moment where you, so this is probably, this is actually interesting because it really describes this whole situation very well. If there's any one thing that we've learned this year that I think is not prevalent out there, the absolute worst thing that you can do for your metabolism and weight goals it's to diet before vacation. I'm abs oh, yeah. I'm absolutely yeah. certain on this. And everybody one. does it. Everybody, everybody does it. Everybody wants to do it because they want to look good in their speedo. <laughs> yeah, and so so it really sets up the scenario that I was talking about earlier. Probably the best way to describe it, right? So everyone wants to diet down so they look good in a bikini or they look good in a speedo. Um, mm -hmm. I still don't think if I dieted down, I would, I would rock a speedo well though. You know what I mean? Yeah, everybody's different. I mean, everybody's different. Like I said, I'm a four, but I run the fours, <laughs> right? So you, uh, <laughs> the worst part about me just saying that to Sarah is that Sarah just froze. So I'm waiting for her reaction and there is not a reaction, so I don't know what is going to happen with Sarah. But, um, but what happens for most people is they end up, you know, reducing their calories so that they have more success during vacation um, in terms of body composition. And that may or may not be true. Usually what ends up happening, you know, in, unless it's like a full cycle, um, people only end up down a couple pounds. But if they reduced 750 calories out of their diet to get there, then ultimately the problem that would happen is they set up really kind of an insulin sensitivity this is where insulin sensitivity works against you. So for people that don't know, insulin resistance, uh, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to speedo Ben, um, but uh, you're the speedo guy. Um, but uh, 
Ben and I used to play in uh, flag football league back in the day, back when we were all younger and not concerned so much with our ACL. But um, the, the thing that ends up happening with insulin sensitivity always seems to happen that I get a phone call during the podcast. But insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance, insulin resistance is the thing that ultimately can lead to type 2 diabetes and all this other type of stuff. And this would be a negative as it relates to insulin sensitivity. So when you are in diet mode, your body is more prone to store um, nutrients as, as fat, right? Like you, you went through a period where you were eating less food, so you go on vacation and then what happens, right? Immediately you start adding in more sodium rich foods, more calorie dense foods, and within like one day of being on vacation, your weight is back to where it was before you started the whole deprivation cycle. And then what's gonna end up happening? When you come back from vacation, your weight is going to be up. So the way that we set people up for vacation and the way that we recommend it now compared to the way we would have recommended it in previous years is you want to be in a fat loss cycle outside of the times where your calories are going to go up. You want to set up this robust scenario where activity is a priority in your life and your calorie point is much higher. But if you go into, um, so let me give you an example. Let's say that that your normal calories were something like 2,600 and you bump them down to, let's say, 2,000 for a um, vacation and then you did not properly reverse out of that, what would end up happening is that you would end up coming back with your weight up and your calories down and no place to go. And then someone like me says, well, okay, we need to get you more food. Otherwise, we're never going to get your calories up to where you can adjust to it. And you're like, well, but yeah, you know, my weight's my weight was at 148, you know, at my lowest and now I'm 154. Well, too bad, right? You just planned for that wrong. And that really is, when you look at it, the difference between eat to perform. When you look at a lot, I mean, we're getting, we're running into a cycle right now where a lot of people have been set up for a fat loss cycle for October 1st. And the reason why we're doing that um, and that time in particular is not only does it allow us to get them, you know, the, su the success that they ultimately want, but it also allows for um, some level of reverse as calories start to go up during the holidays. And like I said, the quicker you can do it, the better, right? And uh, that is something that I think, you know, does freak people out a little bit. Because the, the, the logical brain says to you that, you know, adding in more food is going to increase your weight. But my point here and my point that I made in the title is the one thing that is not optional is um, 
is the non-dieting period, right? And so, right. um, you know, everyone like like Marion Kramer is sort of jokingly saying, "Yes, please, fat loss," right? <laughs> but the the let me let me use her as an example. So in the case of Marion, you know, I know her calories are actually at a pretty good point where she's going to be able to see a great deal of success. We see a lot of people, you know, that come in to eat to perform. And like I said, they might not have been eating enough right off the bat. And, you know, we move them through a fat loss cycle. They might lose, you know, six to eight pounds. Um, but then we run them through a recomp cycle. So then the next time they're actually set up better. The biggest predictor for dieting failure is how much you've dieted in the past, right? And so right. that that is the thing that is really not optional as it relates to seeing success and being lean for life. The thing that is right. not optional is that you can't just diet your way to being lean all the time. You absolutely need to make sure that you are normalizing your calories. And when you normalize your calories, you probably can't be the one that does it, right? Like the, you know, it, it, you would panic. You would be the one freaking out and you never get to a point. And I will say, I mean, you know, we have a lot of people that are in 300 club and mm -hmm. their, um, their fats are right at 69 and they think that they're set up really good for a fat loss cycle and at the end of the day, it's really only about 2,000 calories. I'm not saying that that, you know, that's not good, but it's not going to be something that sets up real well. It's not a big window, right? right? What you really need is the window a lot bigger than that to see success. And obviously, from a coaching standpoint, we make those adjustments. Let's see. So Mano's saying, does the same logic apply to muscle gain? Muscle gain, um, boy, that's an interesting question. I would say the thing to, there, there's a couple things with muscle gain that a lot of people don't consider. How much do you weigh? Right? Um, right. Big saying with Mark Ripito, he used to ask people, hey, you know, Mark, I want to gain muscle. Um, what do you suggest I do? And he would say, how much do you weigh? And if it was less than 200 pounds, he would say, go, go weigh 200 pounds, right? Uh -huh. Like naturally your body adapts to being bigger. It takes a while, right? But naturally your body adapts to being bigger. What I can say to you and what we can show people um, is that when you're in fat loss, uh, I'm sorry, in recomp, your calories actually can be quite high and maintain that at a significant calorie point. So what that means is a lot of people are scared to, you know, get fat, right? By eating too much. It's very difficult to get fat. Like you have to really work hard at it. I mean, like when, you know, People that don't know my history, I was at 250 at, at one point. I'm just going to tell you that I worked hard at that for like 20 years without some <laughs> level of understanding. And the worst thing you could do is diet your way down 
because it sets up these insulin sensitivity cycles that actually lend itself to obesity, right? Yeah. And so that's a little bit hard for people to understand. But if if your normal life is mostly dieting and only occasionally normalizing and then just kind of dipping your toe in the water and, you know, yeah. having a cheat yeah. day and stuff like that, that's not normalizing, right? right. And so the, the problem with a lot of us, I mean, like there's just so many people out there that think they have a compromised metabolism and yeah, you do. You're the one doing it, right? Like you're the one causing your dysfunction. You know, most of the thyroid issues that, that people have is caused by chronic dieting, right? So you're causing the problems that ultimately, and I can say this to you because I did it. I compromised my own thyroid and ultimately um, eating more ended up helping that. Let's see. So Kyle saying, what determines the length of a fat loss cycle? Just joined podcast. Sorry if you covered it already. I didn't cover it already. Um, it's actually, it, it, we used to say eight to 10 weeks. Now it's actually systemized, right? Right. Um, it is coach discretion um, with you to perform, but we had... There's, there's at least three or four, four people that I can think of off the top of my brain that were in fat loss for 20 to 25 weeks. And so fat loss cycle with the eat to perform, you're losing two pounds a time. So they end up losing somewhere. Right, in but it's much different than any other fat loss cycle. We do it much differently. Yeah. Well, we're doing it giving you food, right? So that's the big difference. Um, in fact, uh, when I think of Lynn, I can't remember what her calories were at, um, their highest, but you know, she was eating somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,800, 2,900 and losing, you know, two pounds every week, you know, but to answer Kyle's question, it's systemized. So after two weeks, when you're stalled, a coach will look and see, okay, is this person close or, right. Are we plateaued? And so if you get to, let's say, six weeks and for two weeks you've been stalled, coach is going to move you to recomp. That's just the way it works. Right. You know? Yeah. And so I feel like people have been set up mentally for this better. This is actually why I'm doing this podcast. Because when you first sign up to eat to perform and you think you want fat loss, a lot of people just half-ass it, right? And so once they actually get to a point where they're, um, and, and so let's say that you you didn't take it serious as you could, you your sodium was too high, you you were scared of all those carbohydrates, you know, when in fact the carbohydrates in a fat loss cycle is actually quite low. Um, what ends up happening at that point is you end up setting up this, this recomp cycle. So once you're in that recomp cycle, coaches are able to work with you, set you up, get your calories up to a point where we can actually work with that. And I think if, if you went through a fat loss cycle and let's say that you did not have success and then you went through recomp and really pushed those calories up, keeping you weight stable, you get kind of used to that food, right? You oh, kind of yeah. like performing well in the gym. You like sleeping well. You like all yeah, the things. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the fat loss cycle at all. Yeah. I mean, 
I can say that, you know, for a lot of people, there's a lot of folks that, you know, we, we're very clear with you guys, um, you know, when we're coaching you, like who may or may not be eligible for fat loss. Um, there's a lot of people that think that they are fat loss eligible that would be much better off with tweaks while in recon, right? And so if you're a 130 pound female and you're five, five, you're way better off looking at your training. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, but to answer Kyle's question specifically, I would say eight to 10 weeks is, you know, six to probably six to 10 weeks is really the standard time. You know, yeah. you're going to see the most success. I mean, we had someone, you know, there's some people that, that actually did start early September, a real small group. Um, just they were a little bit ahead of the curve than most folks. And, you know, you lose five to six pounds relatively quickly. And people go, right. oh, yeah, it's just water. Well, yeah, but losing that water is important because, yeah. you know, your body is not going to be necessarily as reliant on your fat stores with that water there. Right. And so that allows for some level of, of preservation. Um, and the longer you do a dieting cycle, this is the other thing, too. Right. The you know, we talked about Lynn, but the longer that you do a dieting cycle, typically the worse it is. I mean, Lynn works out a lot, you know. Right. Um, I don't want Lynn's problems. You know, I mean, Lynn, you know, Lynn's you know, doing a lot of things and really pushing things to the levels because she's got some big goals, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I talked about this on the last podcast that sometimes just fucking around makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, like mm -hmm. you know, if you want to build up the will to go into a fat loss phase, which I, you know, it's interesting because... In the way that I think of it, dieting cycles are different than fat loss cycles, even though they're ultimately deficits, right? Um, you're using stored bodily fat as fuel. So in my mind, I think of it differently. Um, I think the good majority of people that are dieting view dieting as the answer and food as the problem. And we view food, oh, yeah. food as the answer and dieting as the problem, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's the... No, when you hear you're talking about that, the, the, what they give you is the list of foods they can't eat. Yeah. The good, like the, anytime somebody talks about being a diet, the naughty, about what they... The they, naughty and nice list. Yeah, the naughty and nice yeah. list. And so... Um, but the problem that you run into... You know, and I, I would say this has been kind of the evolution of, of Eat to Perform. I mean, when I started Eat to Perform, you know, I lost 100 pounds eating 5,000 calories the majority of the time. Was I working out a lot? Yes, I was working out a whole lot, you know. Um, and I definitely earned my fucking around period, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I went from 149 to 165, I stayed at 165 for almost two years, Right. I just needed a mental break from all that stuff. Yeah. And I needed to just embrace my level of activity. And and that's mm -hmm. when I did. And kind of where your body wants to be. Like, that's a big part of it, too. Yeah. Right? Accepting 
where your body wants to be. And, you know, I did Tough Mudders at that point. Uh, you know, powerlifting tournament was sort of the end of uh, that. Um, but I, I, I think that even as we talk about this, even as, you know, we put out this message on a regular basis, let's see. Okay, so um, we actually have some questions. I'm going to go ahead and answer I'm going to go ahead and answer these questions. Um, can you just okay. read them off, starting with Amanda Hirschberg? Uh, she's asking about um, Hashimoto's. So I'm not a doctor, right? I don't even play one on the internet, and I have not slept at a Holiday Inn Express <laughs> last night. Um, but I did have hypothyroid, right? Mm -hmm. um, this came up. You know, it sort of depends on your levels, Right. My levels were high, but they weren't that high. Right. Right. So I was on medication for a couple weeks and um, I have to tell you, I felt great on the medication. Right. On my thyroid medication. Um, but I'm trying to think of what my age was. I think it was like 39 at that time. And, and it just felt a little bit early to be hooked on pharmaceuticals, right? Yeah. So when you yeah. think about what synthetic thyroid is trying to do for you, um, it's trying to replace your thyroid function. So, you know, similar to steroids, you know, when you start taking testosterone, your body produces less testosterone, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is why people cycle off it. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I have a lot of opinions. I, I mean, look, I think that doctors have a very difficult job. I am pro-doctor. We have many doctors that do eat to perform. So I never want to insult them. No. But at the same time, you know, when someone is prescribed a medication, right, and you see these people, like I had a gal, she was talking in our private groups. And she got off medication, her thyroid normalized, right? <laughs> and she was complaining about, I don't know that she was complaining, but she mentioned that she was up 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. Those 10 pounds fixed your thyroid. Right. Right? Right. And so if you view that, you know, as a, you know, and oh, by the way, of those 10 pounds, we don't know how much of that was muscle, right? Right. What if seven pounds of it was muscle? Then you're in your head about some weight loss number that doesn't mean anything. Hashimoto's is a little bit different. I was not diagnosed with Hashimoto's, but I will tell you that, you know, there are some similarities to it, right? Where mm -hmm. your you know, some of the solution for Hashimoto's is going to be um, replacement for what your body is producing, right? And like I said earlier, some of it is the cause of this function. So I had a discussion with my doctor. You can do this with your doctor if you want to. But I said to my doctor, I said, I don't think this is going to help. And I think that more food... And a better understanding, because at the time, you know, there was a there was a lot 
this was actually um, post, you know, some weight loss, right? Mm -hmm. So I, you know, 10 years of dieting, um, finally was having some success with it um, and was working out. And so, you know, what I was saying to the doctor is like, what I would rather do is just get off this medication and mm -hmm. try and recover better and try and, you know, eat food. And that's, that was an interesting part of my life because it taught me that I did not have to extremely exercise to manage mm -hmm. my weight. And, yeah. um, that was, that was, that was a big part of my journey. And, yeah. uh, you know, for what he said, he reluctantly agreed to it. Um, once again, I'm just a guy on the internet talking. So you talk to your doctor and then maybe your doctor would have a different opinion, you know, but my doctor was okay with it as long as I tested regularly. So I, I came in and got my TSA numbers and I was able to work them to manageable levels to a point where my doctor was like, don't come back. You fixed it. We're good. Right. 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 That's awesome. Not saying that you can do that, but I am right. saying that the basis for most prescription drugs is that it's it's replacing the function that your body would now you might need that okay so right. i'm not don't misunderstand me you might need that as a person but i'm saying a lot of people don't need it and they would be better off you know looking for you know viewing the the problem i mean it's it's very easy of course to take a prescribed medication than it is to wake up and go to the gym at 6 a.m. every morning, you know? And so it's no surprise why so many people take that option, you know? Yeah. So okay. there's still a piece of me that believes that there's some level of dysfunction related to Hashimoto's that can be fixed with food, but, you know, I can't say that I can point you to a level of research that would do it for you, you know? Brad can. <laughs> um, ask, yeah. ask Brad once he's <laughs> off of... Uh, vacation and he'll be happy you know you'll you'll just you know you'll just right. make it, his little heart a flutter um to be able to research it for you <laughs> yes so okay so speaking of vacation vanessa's saying headed on vacation for this week wednesday i indicate that in my app so i don't compromise my recomp cycle correct yep yep we yep. always want you to know it in the app and we are, you know, um, it's interesting because there's a lot of discussion about the improvements that have been made in the app. And a lot of people look at, you know, the improvements that are made in the app as, as kind of a negative thing. When in fact, it, it, the, the major purpose is, of course, to give you guys more attention, better right. attention. And, right. and one of the things that, that we have that is coming um, is going to be... Um, the ability to do what you just said, like to set set it on vacation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, you vacation know. Vacation mode. It should be hashtag vacation mode. But you can use message a coach and just explain to coaches, uh -huh. you know, that's what people do. You know, they just put it in there and right. then, you know, Sarah or I will just say, you have a macro pass, go enjoy Aruba, yeah. you know. Hashtag uh, macro pass. So Natalie is saying, what exactly is stalled? Does that mean your weight stable or your weight fluctuations will not go below a certain weight? Yes. Um, stalled is your weight goal is X and you've not gone below weight goal, 
right? And so right. when uh, we are looking at a fat loss cycle, I know Natalie, as an example, you know, was put on a fat loss cycle. A lot of times people look at a fat loss cycle and they don't realize that even in a fat loss cycle, there's going to be a, a good deal of fluctuation. fluctuation. Yeah. 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 And we'll um, see that a lot. Actually, people will be like, I haven't lost anything. Well, actually you did. Yeah. Actually, you're down three pounds in two oh, weeks. Oh, I can't tell you how many I can't tell you how many people think that they're up like ten pounds that have lost yeah. twenty five pounds. It's like amazing, yeah. you know, just yeah. because in their head they view things in like a four week cycle rather right. than a three month cycle, right? Right. And it's that three month cycle that's much more important for the overall success. Right. Right. So, you know, the the big thing is just to communicate with your coaches. One of the things that I'm seeing with one of the gals that is in um, fat loss right now is she's typing in FLD one through 11. And so she's on fat loss day 11. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a I think that that's actually a really good addition you know, as a mm -hmm. hashtag for yeah, like that. coaches to sort of follow things. Yeah. Jody's asking eligibility criteria for fat loss. And I think we pretty much covered that. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, there's people that are going to be eligible for fat loss that aren't going to have a lot of success. Right. Exactly. Um, yes. Because if you think about it, right. So you signed up for YouTube form, you went through a fat loss cycle, you got pushed to recomp, and you didn't enter your weight for like two weeks because you were kind of scared, right? Right. And then you stalled out at right at 2,000 calories when you should have stalled out at about 2,500 calories. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have as much success as the people that just right. did the plan, right? Right. And so that's why we say the plan is really important. And a lot of times people look at, you know, um, they get frustrated by wanting to have a level of control over mm -hmm. scale weight or something of this nature, not having an understanding of how important those fluctuations are. You know, I know at, at, when I talked to Natalie, um, actually, when I sent her on fat loss, I mentioned to her that I wasn't sure how much success she, she would have based on a compromised level of um, activity related to injury. Um, but also, you know, the period of time that, you know, her body has been able to acclimate to it. And like I said, you know, um, if you, you know, the one thing that we kind of want everyone to, you know, to do is to go into a fat loss cycle with a with a good um, head of steam, right? Right. And positive and, and really excited because yeah. it, it's it's something that, you know, might be necessary, right? I know Stephanie as an example. I mean, I've been really following her, you know, daily. Yeah. And she's, she's kind of digging it, you know? And I, I see where she's coming from with that, you know? Yeah. Um, um, I don't know that I would describe what I will probably do as a, a fat loss cycle. But right now, like I said, you know, being over 180, um, 
you know, I might do some level of reset mm -hmm. in the next year or two. You know what I mean? Right. But I mean, notice how I said in the next year or two. Like right. I don't, I don't go. Oh my God, my total existence is based on my scale weight. You know. Right. Um. And and that's really something that I think if we can all get to a little bit of a peaceful place within our head, right. that we'd be better off. So Tracy's asking, how do I know if I need to do a, she's using piffle <laughs> or just add more volume to my workouts? Um, volume to your workouts, unless they're metabolic in nature, is probably not going to add a whole lot to the picture, you know, um, unless of course, you know, your metabolic function has been, you know, down, right? So, uh, to give you an example, there's a deload period after this eight-week cycle. And so, I will be doing what you said. And what I'm hoping is that I get a little bit of response um, to where, you know, I'm closer to the 170s because my body has adapted to that. But if you've been doing one Metcon and you go mm -hmm. to two Metcons, I don't think you would have near as good result as if you didn't do any Metcons at all and added a Metcon, if that makes sense. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Like what, that adaptation to that complete change in exercise is what makes a big difference. So right. um, once again, I mean, it's sort of difficult not having your information in front of me. You know, if right. I knew that your calories were at 2,800, you know, and then I could bring them down to 2,000, then I would know that, um, you know, we'd, you know, we'd probably be good. When I say probably, I don't know for a fact that we'd be good because, right. you know, I can tell you, let's say that, that, you know, I'm more comfortable in the 170s. And you always have to take into account the potential muscle that you would have added in that scenario, right? Um, like when it's interesting right now because I talked about 165 earlier, right? How I stayed at 165. Um, my lean mass is approaching 160. So what that means is, is that my lean mass is almost 10 pounds more than I was at my lowest point. So yeah, if, I thought to, awesome. if I thought to myself, I need to get back to 149, right? To be yeah. 9%, I, I would be wrong. The math would be wrong right. in that scenario. So you always have to adjust that math, right? Um, right. And, uh, but it, it really is kind of a, a message a coach question and then we can look yeah. at it on review everybody's and we'd be able to give you a much better answer okay a couple more questions yeah. how do anxiety depression meds affect your body and how you lose fat do you think the meds slow your metabolism down causing your body to hold on to fat i do not know the answer to that question so i'm not going to even come close to answering it um but um, the one thing, I, no, but one thing, the one, uh, if you're asking, yes, I do think Brad could help. 
Um, this is where the, the book that I'm reading, you know, the hour between dog and wolf, um, it really does show how the biochemical reaction. So my, my, my thought process is almost certainly yes. Right. Because when you're depressed, you know, now I'm, you know, once again, not a doctor, just totally winging it here. You know, yeah. but when you're depressed, you don't feel like going to the gym. You don't feel like making food. You don't feel like being prepared. Right. So maybe you're under eating in that scenario to kind of deal with that stress and anxiety. And you're really not setting your body up well. What other things are going to be affected? Sleep's going to be affected, you know, maybe positively, maybe negatively, you know. Right. Um, so there's a lot of factors. But if you were asking me my gut inclination... I would say that the best human condition is when that human is at 100%. And when when you're dealing with medication related to depression, you know, what's interesting about this question is prioritizing what's most important. If you're Mm -hmm. going through a period of depression and anxiety, the best thing that you can do is deal with depression and anxiety and not really worry about your weight. Right, right. Exactly. You, you, you know, yeah. that's where the whole prioritize things. So, um, chaos ends up being easier to deal with. Right? right. And the, the most chaotic thing going on in your life, if you're struggling with depression and anxiety, is to really focus on that piece and bringing another, it's sort of like, you know, being an alcoholic and trying to quit smoking at the same time you're you're trying to quit drinking you know you're you're basically setting up a failure scenario in that in that way okay so a bunch of thank yous and good stuff and then this is a great question from elaine why have i been told to reduce activity lifting heavy is my primary form of access during a fat loss phase what is the rationale behind this well the rationale is recovery, right? So when you are eating less, your recovery is lessened, right? So if your body needs fuel to live and you are intentionally not fueling to live, what you do in that scenario, so when you think about it, okay, a fat loss phase is stress, right? You're intentionally stressing your body to elicit a response. So when you think of a fat loss cycle, um, it's similar to exercise. Exercise is also stress on your body to elicit a response. So when your goal is fat loss, your goal cannot be getting better at exercise. It's really, you wanna sort of maintain your level of exercise. Can you get slightly better? Sure. Can you get much better fueled? 100%, right? And so um, what it sounds like you're saying is, is I want to get stronger and I want to also lose fat. Um, I'm not saying that you can't, but I'm saying you can't, right? right? You kind of have to pick. You kind of have to pick what is the priority in your life at that point. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. There's a lot of people out there that they would affect their their health positively by losing some weight. And they don't want to lose that weight, 
because they're going to lose strength. To me, right. that is absurd, right? If you know you are carrying excessive bodily fat and you don't like to do metabolic conditioning or you don't want to go through a cycle where you eat less to, you know, I mean, like Lynn was a great example of all the success that she had, right? I mean, what did she do? She did a lot of metabolic conditioning. She didn't do a lot of strength work. Now she's in recomp, so she's working on strength a little bit more, right? So that's something that I think is really important. But at the end of the day, it's similar to the depression conversation, right? What's right. the priority in your life at that point? And if you're saying the priority in your life is fat loss, then do all the things that will allow you to have success in fat loss, exactly. right? Yeah. It, because it, the best of so the best, the best of the best, the most she did was 20 weeks, right? Yeah. So that's four months, right? I mean, four, four and a half months, that's the best of the best. The good majority of people, eight to 10 weeks, right? Yeah. Now, obviously yeah. it depends on where you're at, how much fat you have to use, you know, and stuff like that. But that's the answer to your fat loss question. I mean, there, awesome. there's, there are people that will argue against that. They're wrong. You know, um, I'm just going to say it. they're wrong, you know, because right. they're, they, and, and I think ultimately if I made my case in front of them, they would go, yes, you are correct. Right. But what they would say is that there is some value to activity. And I'm saying to you, yes, I agree. There is value to that activity. But it's not banging on your CNS trying to lift the most weights. Exactly. Right? It's not even the banging on your CNS to try and get adaptation related to muscle. It really is, you know, um, the best thing you're going to do are mostly eustress type of activities rather than distress activities. Eustress activities are things like walking, maybe jogging for you, you know. Doesn't mean that you can't work out, but it means that three days is three days is probably better than five. And then exactly. you use eustress activities to really build up that calorie burn and really kind of push that side of things. That's where I think. You know, when people look at dieting cycles and fat loss cycles, this is the thing that they do most wrong. They want the calories to do all the work. And, and so what ends up happening is like similar to this question, right? They want to do what they like the most. They go to the gym to be strong and they would like to sleep well and they would like to, you know, eat foods that they like and stuff like that. That's not the priority in a fat loss cycle. Right. Right. So so if you're in a fat loss cycle, what you should be doing is pushing all your chips into the middle and, yeah. and working on all those little edges so you can get out of that fat loss cycle as soon as possible and get back yeah. to weightlifting and get back to sleeping well and get back to all the things that get compromised in a fat loss cycle and keep it as short as possible. Um, okay, Darcy, last question here. Anxious to start a fat loss cycle, but have committed to a Spartan Super in November. Should I wait till that's over to stay strong? 100%. Why would you want to do it weak, right? Like people say this all the time. You know, hey, I want to compete in this weight division. Oh my gosh. 
so we had we had um, a junior Olympian right competes you know all over the world um, and is trying to obviously make the Olympics at some point. Um, we had this discussion with her early on, and she just competed in the American Open and made the finals. Um, did not have to cut weight. That is the biggest advantage that she had against all the other lifters that she was competing against. Is that she was comfortable all throughout. And it took us a while to sort of sort through what would work the best for her. But right. when you look at her performance, when you look at, you know, how she ate the food and stuff like that, um, it ended up making a big difference. So you always want to be cutting outside of season. So, um, the, the other thing that, uh, we're really going to be sticklers on this. I'm just going to tell you, um, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to go on fat loss December 30th. You're not going on uh -huh. fat loss December 30th or November 30th. <laughs> Right. You, you have to wait through the holidays, every single person. And then there's people that say <laughs> two, two phone calls, two phone calls during the podcast. Um, that's the problem with using your phone for these things. Um, but the problem that you run into when um, you do a fat loss cycle in the holidays is not only. Do you, the good majority of people end up stopping after a couple weeks and then setting back their progress for mm -hmm. months, right? It's only eight weeks, right? Right. We, you know, we can manage things through those eight weeks to set you up for a good cycle going into the new year, right? But, and I'm not saying that no one will go on a fat loss cycle, Right, there's you know, definitely incidents. There's always one-offs, right? Mm -hmm. But if, you know, if your Spartan is November 15th, you're just better off waiting the six weeks, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, the last thing you want to be... I mean, I, the one thing that I want you to understand is that Eat to Perform is living life on life's terms. And so being right. the person that shows up at Christmas... With your own little container of cauliflower rice. Scale. Yeah. And your food scale. I have to say though, like, um, there was it was a graduation party and someone had a food scale and I was like, honestly, I'm taking advantage of this. You know what I mean? Yeah, that. Um That's funny. It is sort of funny the responses that people had to my my food scale video, which you know was received really well. So I'm not being negative one way or the other. Um, yeah. but there's so many people that think of measuring food from the standpoint of less. And right. what I'm saying is if you're measuring food appropriately, you can actually eat more food, right? Right. Which is the, the end game there. So. All right, you guys, I appreciate everybody listening. We will end the podcast here, and everybody have a great weekend. Sarah, do you want to say goodbye to everyone? Yes, goodbye, everybody. Have a great weekend. All right, talk to you Stick guys. Stick to your plan. All right, bye now.